Okay, Tom here again. So it's been a while since we've been watching church online. It's been a couple years since, you know, the pandemic a couple years ago. And even a couple years before that, we were basically online since our pastor moved to Texas. But my wife and I, we always knew that we needed to be back in church community. And, and when we discussed it, I mean, we talked about, shall we visit this church or shall we try that one out? And we'll look for different ones, look at the reviews. And, and after every conversation, we always just look at each other and we have this, this resignation, this look of, you know, we're just kind of down about it and resigned and kind of just dreading, dreading the thought of going back to church. It's kind of tired feeling. So the question is, why this dread? And I got to be honest, I think it's because we're just tired of being forced into a way of worshiping and serving that is so, so passive. Where only the pastor and the worship leader, worship team, get a say in terms of how we get to worship or what's considered appropriate worship when we meet together as a church. And... And the flock, we don't have a say in how we can join in worship. Or we're being told, here are the only times that we can actually participate. And as a faithful believer, I believe that in order to follow God fully and obediently, when it comes to corporate worship, when we assemble together as a church, the institutional church right now, we're limited to only the roles and activities that that the church leaders deem necessary or important. And... The pastor has become the arbiter of what my faithful service to God will look like. And and it's frustrating for me because they decide how my devotion to God manifests itself when it comes to serving the church body. And I think that's what bugs me the most, that I'm a faithful Christian and I'm committed to God and serving Him and being community with others, but... There are so few options when it comes to acceptable service in the church. And I'm, I'm honestly tired of it. I'm frustrated that both pastors and leaders and the rest of the church, you know, the church members who attend, we've been kind of pigeonholed into worshiping in a way that doesn't really build deep roots. I moved here in, uh, in the early 90s, and I've been involved with church for many years, so the last three decades in different forms. I've been involved with a few church plants, helping a church do a new vision casting. You know, within church, I've been involved with small groups, Bible studies, hosting a pretty large small group, involved with prayer ministry. I'm even doing parking, um, directing traffic on Sundays. You know, all the stuff big and small. You know, and in the business of church, I'm kind of putting my FaceTime in, you know, so that the leaders will see. And by seeing me, they can say, ah, oh, he's he's considered trustworthy to actually have more responsibility that, that will allow him to actually serve more. So it's frustrating. So I dread it. And when it comes to church, right now in terms of the institutional church, here are, I mean, here's your basic options. When you go to service on Sunday, you join a worship led by a worship team, worship leader with songs that they choose. And then you sit, and you listen to a sermon and a teaching that the pastor chooses. 
and it's because he is a teacher that he determines us. And and that's basically it. And, you know, you have all this different other stuff, prayer time, program announcements, so forth. But basically, you go in there and you're led, and it's very passive. Whether you're in a small church or, I mean, imagine, and I and I know because I've been to those mega churches where you're one of five thousand, ten thousand, and multi-site campus campus kind of church where you file in like you're going to a performance at the Pantages, and and if you got if you get activities in the afternoon, you sit close to the exit so you can actually leave early, right? And this kind of structure that we have right now in the institutional church leads to all sorts of mischief. Where and I believe this is where because people don't feel that they can spiritually f- maximize what God has placed in our hearts and allow us to really and the church doesn't allow us to really be empowered to serve we find people find ways to fill that void and this is when you have all the politicking the power grabs the gossiping the backstabbing and we have pastors being undercut by associate pastors when you have different cliques of people you know, complaining to denominational heads about their pastor and it's also man-centered and because it's been, it's par for the course, and this is the framework that we understand church, everybody thinks that this is normal, and it's not normal. Just look at the church. And honestly, I know there are many people out there like me who are, who are tired. We're faithful, but we're tired. We're tired of what it takes to be involved in church as it currently is. So few options to really, truly be the church. And that's why, because of the fallout of all the, consequences of institutional church you see the next generation leaving and not coming back you see ex-christians people deconstructing their faith and i believe that it's really because they've seen the church for what it is and they don't like it and it's hard to blame them i understand that i understand their feeling and if if i want to really grow in community and have deep relationships in the church it's hard to find I mean, you can kind of piecemeal it together. And because we're built for a community, even in a rigid or inflexible or very human-focused, human-centered structure, the human spirit will come through and God can still work through that. It's not because of the church. It's actually in spite of the church. And a lot of people say, well, we've always just done it this way, this tradition and how we worship. But... But show me where show me where in the Bible it says that we have to have a sermon on Sundays or that the pastor there's actually that there's actually even a role or an office of the pastor or that we have to have a worship leader lead us or even just the structure of the the service where we actually have you know song announcement sermon song offering prayer and dismissal benediction I mean, where is it? Where is it in the Bible? Because I can't find it. And if you actually have read Pagan Christianity by Frank Viola, it's a great book. You'll find out that a lot of what people consider sacred church traditions have been taken from the pagans. So these are the options that we're left with. And I believe that it's dying. It is in, in, in the cracks in the foundation that's showing. And the institutional church isn't going to make it if it keeps on doing the same thing over and over again 
and expecting a different result and stopping the flow of people out of the church. I mean, isn't that Einstein's definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I understand because over the years, we have, we have this power and money structure built up for denominations, parachurches, the whole infrastructure of seminaries, and this whole pipeline of people going from being called to ministry, being taught, and going on into the world of you know, pastorate. And I remember back when I was taking a, um, a master's class, I, I took a class at, at the seminary at Talbot, and I remember watching these past seminarians. They're checking the, they're checking the job board, looking at what positions are coming available, and I... I got a taste of what it means to actually see the pastor not as a mission or a calling, but as a job. And we're fighting against that. But I do get it. I understand it because when pastors or church leaders, income and livelihood is dependent on not making a change, then change won't happen. Or it'll, be, it'll happen in very superficial ways that, that doesn't challenge the status quo. And... And I understand, and I understand the comfort and stability that institutional church offers. There's, there's the stability of knowing what to expect, and the routine of, like a regular job, a nine to five. But your nine to five is on a Sunday. I know that God can work with what we've created, and He does work with it. I mean, look at, look at Israel having a king when God wanted to be the leader for them, but God allowed them to have kings and. He worked with it, and he still chose to use a fallen people to accomplish his purposes. In this day and age, don't you think that there's so much more that could be accomplished if we truly let God lead the church? It can sound like I'm being cynical, maybe a bit, and jaded, yeah, frustrated for sure, but I'm not blaming the pastors or church leaders. I mean, I'm sure almost all of them are well-intentioned. They think that when they go into ministry, they need to find someone that can provide a living because a worker is worthy of their wages. I think they and we as church members were both stuck in the rules that's been assigned to us by this rigidity and structure of traditional church handed down over the centuries. We're all trapped in the cycle of pastors and leaders being weighed down by so much responsibility because they're the person that leads us. And, you know, you see it with counseling for pastors and the wives, emotional breakdowns, relational loneliness and struggles where they have to put up a front because because they are the leader or the person that we see as a, as holier. They, they have to maintain the image. And then because the structure is so pastor-oriented, you know, we passive church members, we keep on asking them for more and, and, and better because we're, we're programmed into, be, into being passive consumers of church and being told that this is the only way to do church. And when you are passive and you see as a production, your expectations increase. So on the one hand, you have too much pressure on too few people. And on the hand, you have so many people who are just trained to actually ask for more and get and become really demanding. And it's a vicious cycle and it's and it's killing the church. And it's definitely killing our witness to the world because 
We package the church like a religious product, and we wonder why people don't want it. I mean, when and when people come through and they see how the sausages sausages made and and they get splattered, that makes sense. It's a brutal business, this business of church. And in my view, and I know that over the last twenty years, a lot of people have been voicing their frustration, concerns, just like me. And the solution is very simple. Let's just go back to the one or the gatherings as a, as it shows in Acts two and First Corinthians fourteen. And if you're if you're a if you're a member at an institutional church or a pastor or lead there, if we can just make a little incremental change, just atomic change, and change your habits just a little bit, and nudge it even just one degree, if all the churches can just start understanding that we are a priesthood of all believers, and what does that look like? It means that we all have a say in how the church worships when it's together. Like my friend was sharing that her her pastor, their denomination has limited to 15-minute sermons, 15-minute sermons so that the other times can be spent with worship through prayer, through, through song. They do scripture reading, and they have a set list of things that they pray for corporately. And that, for me, really deepens the roots, roots and bonds of the church to each other and to the causes that they're on mission for. And if we can just, you know, in our own ways, make a little one degree change, if you multiply that by just the Holy Spirit's ability to actually work through those changes, then I think the 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 church can really be become a powerful force and in the way it was meant to be. I think the question is, well what about the sermon? What what about worship? What about all the things that we, we've come to expect and come to maybe out of habit. But the answer is, well, why can't we lead the worship ourselves? Why do we need to have somebody lead us? And and for Sunday sermons, why does there why does it have to be a teaching on Sunday? And it's counterintuitive because when you have actually a pastor that keeps on teaching every Sunday, but there's no chance or opportunity to actually put into practice with each other our faith becomes really shallow, becomes weak. So if we can actually just turn that around and we can we can actually let the Holy Spirit lead us through each of us to one another, where we can exhort each other, bless each other, teach each other, and, and worship through song and through prayer and psalms together, I think that that's biblical completely. 1 Corinthians 14.26, it says, What then, brothers and sisters? Whenever you come together, each one has a hymn, a teaching, a revelation, a tongue, or an inter- or an interpretation. Everything is to be done for building up. Or Hebrews 10.24, And let us consider one another in order to provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other. That's where we have the one another's. And all the more as you see the day approaching. And then in First Peter Talking about the priesthood of all believers. You yourselves, as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood. Not just the holy pastor or the worship leader, but we are the priesthood, not just a priest. And be, you are chosen, you are chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession. Sounds so simple, doesn't it? And sounds so 
empowering to to all of us as believers. I'm nobody special. I'm just your average, everyday Christian. And I love God, and I love the church. And I know that there are other people who are more influential, who are more visible, recognized church leaders who who share the same point I, I, I make. And I'm at a point where, you know, I'm currently at a small church. There, even though they're small, their structure is still institutional. And we'll see where it goes because I haven't felt the call to actually go back to the way I, I want it to be, even though I really do, do desire that. If we as a church don't change, we're not going to make it. Institutional church, that is. So let's be proactive in changing the way we worship in anticipation for what's going to happen. Hard times are going to happen. Last week I was reading this, um, some some statistics from Barna. He does a lot of these Christian research stuff, and he was sharing that about 9% of the church worships in a house church setting, which means more of organic, micro-church, a missional kind of church. And, and if that 9% hits 15%, then this house church or this organic cell church, network church model or way of worshiping the way it should be biblically will go from a fringe, faddish kind of church to become part of the church mainstream. And and that's that's exciting. And if the church, the institutional church right now, the big elephant in the room can retrofit itself just piece by piece, and dismantling the barriers to true worship and community and piece by piece become the organic house church of the New Testament led by the Holy Spirit will change the world. And uh, I look forward to that day. And I also look forward to it because if the collapse of our society in America and, and globally is going to happen, the way I think it's going to happen over the next 10 to 20 years, we as a church, we really need to toughen up because hard times are coming. And I think the way we harden up is actually by building stronger bonds between people in the church and by asking for a deeper commitment, deeper sacrifice, more times of prayer, more times just just reading the word and letting God speak to us so we can speak in and admonish and exhort and encourage each other where we can collectively pray, worship, and become become actually the living stones that make up the temple where the church is where God dwells. And in that way, the church will become the bedrock for a new moral foundation that we will that will be needed when we rebuild society. Because I don't want to look back. I don't want to look back in twenty years' time and and regret not taking action now, in anticipation for what's going to be happening when we rebuild the world again. We need to build deep roots led by the Holy Spirit instead of the consumerist and disposable faith that people are programmed with right now. And and when hard times come, if they're still stuck in that consumerist mindset, they're going to throw our, throw their faith away. I don't want to see that happening. The church will be completely different in 20 years. So let's make sure that it's a positive difference. And if you're a church leader, a pastor, elder, denominational leader, please, you guys are actually driving the ship right now. And 
if you can just start making changes that can help dismantle this way, this human way of worshiping, and allow the Holy Spirit and allow the church to fully be the church, don't waste our time and efforts. Release us so that we can build a church as God intended. And I'm going to be talking about this more in the future because I feel that a lot of people, 9% right now, right? And I think that's going to grow. I think a lot of people are dissatisfied. And there's a lot of people who are spiritual, but they don't want to go to church. And they're looking for an answer. And if we can provide a way for them to actually find an answer so that they can have eternal security, then we need to do that. We need to actually find out and investigate to find out what works for all the different situations that we have in this transition from the current institutional church to the church the way God intended. So I look forward to that.